Let's recap the B&B principle. The first B stands for birthday and the second for bleach. The principle of birthday states that wherever you go on planet Earth, you will never in your life bump into somebody who does not have a birthday. What birthdays do is inform people that before this day they did not exist. Having not existed, you couldn't have possibly created yourself. Having not created yourself, you couldn't have possibly know on your own what to do with a life you never created. Therefore, B. The second B stands for bleach and is representative of the principle that whatever existed before you arrived on planet Earth will not change its reality just to accommodate your needs, dreams, fantasies, wishes, thoughts and hopes, like bleach. By the time you arrived on planet Earth, bleach was not a friendly drink. Therefore, even if you beg, plead, cajole, threaten, bribe, explain logically to the bleach that it's anyway wet in a bottle and you're on the point of dehydration, it will not become a friendly drink for you, for the simple reason that it is not motivated to accommodate your needs, dreams, fantasies, wishes and hopes, since it does not need you, as evidenced by the fact that by the time you arrived on planet Earth, it was here before you. It is therefore independent of you. It therefore will not accommodate you. If you want to remain safe from bleach, you are dependent on the people who were here before your birthday, who are in the know, who will share with you the rules of bleach so that you can accommodate those laws. So that all of life is a massive attempt to discover the rules of life from those in the know who were here before us so that we can accommodate those rules so that we remain safe and happy. Today's class is based on the fact that we all relate to the understanding, because we know this from our own personal experience in life, that we love ourselves. And uh, the Gemara Misakta Sanhedrin says, Adam Korov Eitzel Atzmai, a person is close to himself. Now we know how close we are to ourselves, because we know that we are always defending ourselves, and we are always desperate to prove ourselves right, we're always justifying ourselves, always rationalizing anything we did wrong. As a matter of fact, a person is so close to himself that the Torah had to go along and warn us specifically, because bribery bl blinds the eyes even of righteous people to such an extent that we know that um, we can logically and rationally admit that something is absolutely right and moral and ethical and righteous, and yet when it comes to us uh, acting this way, we can sometimes act very, very contradictory to our beliefs because we are blinded by our desires and uh, a lot of stuff going on in our subconscious. So we know from life that we absolutely love ourselves. Self-love is natural. And based on this, we, on this premise that we are all coming from and that we know from personal experience, we are going to analyze what is the enormous source of this self-love to have to come to the conclusion that since a person did not create himself, from a B&B &B perspective, since you have a birthday, you didn't create yourself. Since you didn't create yourself, you, who you are really loving is the source of your creation because you actually don't have a self. Yourself is your creator. Yourself is Hashem. So you actually love Hashem. You think that you love yourself, but you actually love yourself, Hashem, because you don't actually have a self. And of all the, uh, of course, Hashem is not a person, but we are talking, thinking about the concept called lovability, lovability factor, um, which we all relate to. So we know that um, the way we, we think about life, the way we think about people, the way we resonate with some people, the way we gravitate towards some people, the way we connect with some people, the way we 
don't connect with others, the way we um, um, define the word charming, people person, uh, talented at human interactions, uh, stuff like that. So what we're really looking at is something called the lovability factor. And of course, every human being is lovable and we believe that everybody will find you know, at least one person that they somehow have what we call uh, modern psychology, a chemistry with, etc., etc. And of course, of course, we never write off anybody that they're not lovable. And the more higher uh, level you are, the more you are capable of expanding your own area of loving more people, more intensely, more unconditionally, more um, thing. But at the end of the day, the reason that human beings are lovable is they're created in divine image. And since Hashem is the most lovable thing that there is, and we don't know being that there is, because the source of all love, the source of all pleasure, the source of all, all connectivity, the source of all pleasures in human relationships, the source of all resonance, the source of everything is Hashem, since there is only one creator, he created all that, so that when a person loves himself, he really loves his divine image, when he loves someone else, he really loves the experience of seeing the virtues of the divine image in the other person being manifested, like we all fall in love with good-hearted people, we all are touched the depths by compassionate people, we are all touched when we see an enormous act of self-sacrifice, an enormous act of people going out of their comfort zone to do what's good for others it brings tears to our eyes it reminds us how great we can be it fills up with a yearning a desire and longing to be that person who could be so selfless and giving to others because it touches the core of our divine image and it resonates with our inner chords actually the strings of our of our our human heart our divine heart and therefore, we need to come to the conclusion that the source of all the lovability is Hashem. So when we love ourselves, we're actually loving Hashem. So that's going to be the topic. So the Pasuk tells us, Hashem created us in His image. And since He is the source of all lovability, we also carry that divine image inside us. When you're smiling to another person, you're actually smiling to the divine image. And Hashem holds that very precious. And what does Hashem say about us? Hashem testifies about every Jewish person that at his core he is righteous. Hashem told Ishaya in Perik Samach. Hashem said, and your people, the Jewish people, they are all righteous, every single one of them. Every single morning we remind ourselves of the greatness and the purity of spirit that we naturally organically possessed that no one can ever 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 obliterate from us no matter what we say Hashem the soul that you have put inside me it is absolutely pure pristine perfect bulletproof tamper proof sealed off so that but you can say that contradicts that that it contradicts that the Torah itself tells us that the nature of a person is evil, wicked, from when he's born. So we are talking about two different entities here. We're talking about the fact of the divine image that came down from heaven 
totally pure and it's an absolute part of Hashem and it's tamper-proof. But then when a person was put into a body, obviously, as we discussed before, that everybody, in order to earn life, he has to be a creator of his own goodness. And the only way you can become a creator of your own goodness is if you get to control how good you can be. And so the only way you can get to control how good you can be is you have a challenge towards your goodness, which is divine free will that Hashem put in us. And that part, of course, once we get into a body, when we went into the pre-life uh, swearing-in ceremony that the Gemara Masechtas Nida, Daf Lamad Beis tells us, and the Medrash Tanchoma Pashas Pekuda Ois Gimel tells us, about our pre-life tour, our pre-life experience. Yes, we had a swearing in ceremony, and Hashem made us swear. Mashpin oyser to hate Sadik for Alti Rosha, Afilakal Alim Kula, Oimlachot Sadikata, Tebin Echel Rosha, the opening words of the Sefer Tanya. Yes, we all promised and we swore that we will be Tzadikim. Question is, how is that oath binding upon us if we didn't know what it's like to be in a body and to be constantly challenged by the relentless, never-ending, merciless demands upon our body, upon our time, upon our resources, upon our hunger pangs, our gastroenterological desires, our um, sleep uh, deprivation, our constantly having to maintain and sustain our body, which occupies so much of our lives. So why is that oath binding? The answer is, the Seva Tanya explains in one of the that Mashpian Oisai, Hashem made us swear to hate Sadiq al Rosha, and we willingly took that oath. Why are we bound by it? Because Mashpian Oisai, Mashpian has two explanations. One is Mashpian, we were, we sworn in Miloshan Shavua, that you swore. The other one is Miloshan Soiveya. Surveyor means to be satisfied, to be saturated, to be filled, to fill someone up. Mashpin Oisoy, they saturated us, they filled us up, they with the strengths and the powers that we need, that were we to choose to be a tzaddik, we could tune into those strengths. We have the strengths inside us. That's the reason that we are bound by that oath, is because Hashem gives us all the tools and the equipment and the strengths that we need, apart from the fact that Hashem is always edging us along and moving us along, because a person comes to be pure, he will receive help from above, and which means every single day that a person says, yes, it does really give us a run for our money. Yes, it does challenge us every single minute. Yes, and he's got it in for us, and he's relentless, and he's ruthless, and he really doesn't care, and he's merciless. He has all the time in the world. He has all the money in the world. He has, he's never tired. He never takes a break. He does very well. He doesn't lack... Um, support system, he doesn't need a support system. Somebody once saw a, a, a Bacha learning himself in Yeshiva and um, the altar of Kelm. And he went up to the Bacha and he says, what's this, where's your Chavrisa? He said, I don't believe in Chavrisas. I never have a Chavrisa. I always learn alone. So he said, why not? That's not Messiah's of us. And our traditionally, we always have a Chavrisa. So he said, no, I don't do well with Chavrisa. Um, I have a different chavrisa I do very well with. He said, who? I don't see anyone sitting here. He said, yeah, the Yetzirah is my chavrisa. The Evelyn Kanesha is my chavrisa. 
So he says, why? He says, the last 20 years of my chavrosa, he's the best chavrosa, he's the best partner. He says, why? He says, first, he always comes on time, he never takes a coffee break, and he loves a good argument. <laughs> so, yes, the Etara has more things going for him than for us, but what we have is we have the divine assistance that when we ask for it, Hashem is going to give it to us, and we are going to become great through it. Now, part of the understanding from a BNB perspective, why we are so sure that in the end, we and the entire Jewish nation will be righteous, will turn the whole world righteous. In the end, good will prevail, good people will prevail, the righteous will prevail. It's because from a BNB perspective, since there's only one Hashem, whatever He has decreed for humanity will come true. And when Hashem describes the Jewish nation, Hashem says about us, The Jewish nation, you are all righteous and you will inherit the land, which means Eretz Yisrael, which is describing our future destiny. And he said in the Torah, And you will be a nation of priests and a holy nation. You will be holy because I am holy. And Hashem is attaching his name and his virtues and his reputation and his um, um, who he is onto this Jewish nation, saying, you and me are one. You are my representatives in this world. Whatever I am, you are. So when Hashem is saying this in Torah, it is simultaneously a description of the intrinsic, innate, indestructible, inescapable quality of the Jewish nation. And it also is a prediction of what's going to happen in the future. Since there's only one Hashem, no one can defeat his plan for humanity. No one can defeat his plan for the future. No one can defeat his, his, his understanding and his seeing on the future of what Jewish nation is going to be about. So it's at the same time a description of who we are and a prediction of who we are. That is why he filled us with a koya that we can be that who we are and we will ultimately live up to our potential. So the question is, what is Hashem's unconditional love for us, the Jewish nation? What is it sourced in? What is the justification for it? What's the rational base for it? When did it all start? What is the history that Hashem decided to take a group of people, a group of souls, comprise them into one nation and pour His unconditional love on us? So first of all, how do we know that it's actually unconditional and it will never, ever, ever um, be obliterated and Hashem will never reject us? So the way we know that is because Hashem talks about himself in Apostle Kamalachi. He's describing himself. He says, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. Loi Shanisi, I never change my mind. When Hashem gave us the Torah, he gave us the Torah forever and ever and ever. And all the mitzvahs were given forever and ever. Chok oilam, chukas oilam, le doiroi seichem. It is forever. Vasham Rabnei Yisrael, it's a Shabbos, last is a Shabbos. It's for all the future generations. Hashem told Avram Vino, our father, at the Brisbane Osorim, by Yoimahu Koros Hashem es Avram Bris, Hashem cut with him a covenantal bond forever. Lezarach for your children, Nosati es I will give them the land. And we have 
hundreds of sources how this is Bani Bukhari Yisrael, my firstborn son Yisrael, you are mine forever. I will remember for them the covenant with their forebears. Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, Asher Tzis Yitzchak Yisrael, Le'ena Goyim, Le'os Le'em I shall be your God, nobody else's God. Again and again and again, Hashem is talking about the bris oilam, the covenantal bond forever. And Hashem says, I will never reject you. Even if I will scatter you um, in the land of your enemies and there will be holocausts and pogroms and, and all the terrible things, I will never reject you forever. So this is contradicts the Christian and Muslim claims and that we have been rejected for Hashem because Hashem says outright, he's never going to reject us. He never did. He never will. Um, this is a book. This is the one topic of this book. He loves his people, Israel, an anthology of sources with thousands and thousands of sources how Hashem loves us and only us forever. Rak Hashem. Not because you are larger population than all the other nations that Hashem divide himself, share himself with you. You're the least of all the people, but I have chosen you forever and ever and ever. So we know that this love that Hashem has for us forever. Hashem describes his love for us in Shira Shirim. Amongst other things, saying, Ki that's in Perak Ches, Hashem is saying that his love for us is stronger than death, meaning it will survive death. There is no force in this world that is stronger than death because nobody knows how to escape death. So it means that all creatures are vulnerable before death. So death is stronger than any creature, any other force in this world. But Hashem says he loves us more than this strongest force, meaning that we will survive forever. And the Hashem's love for us is really um, um, sourced in the understanding that when Hashem created the virtue of love, he made it work in a system of the Pasuk and Mishle shares with us the inner dynamics of the way love happens the strategy and the the how it happens in each situation is kamaim alponim alponim adam just like water reflects the face of man so human beings love is a reciprocal factor it's a reciprocal virg- it's a reciprocal system in life that people feel each other out and people by their very intrinsic nature they cannot control it they just if they feel beloved, then they reciprocate the love and they love each other back and it goes and so it intensifies and it goes further and further and deeper and deeper. So we actually why did Hashem choose the Jewish nation? Because we actually chose him. We loved him. There's an interesting Medrashraba, the first um the opening to Medrashraba in Megillas Rose, that says the following, the style of Medrash Rabbah is that every single Megillah in book in Medrash Rabbah starts off with a pasuk, with a verse, and, and the sages explain, they add 
this pasuk to why from any part of Tanakh of they saw in it why it's a good introduction to the theme of the pasuk, the theme of that uh, sefer. So in the introduction to Megillah Surah read Shema Amiva Adabera, which is a pasuk in Tehillim, um, Perik Nin, pasuk Zayin. Listen, my people, but I. That I will, I will speak. Yisrael va'idabach, the Jewish nation, and I will des- testify for you. It is Hashem talking to us, and Hashem is saying, "Listen, my people, my nation, Yisrael, the Jewish nation, va'idabach, and I will testify for you." So the Medrash says, "What is this talking about?" And it's talking about, uh, it's describing a future prediction. In the future, when Hashem will come and redeem us, when Mashiach will come and Hashem will redeem us at the end of days after this long exile, so it's going to happen that the nations of the world are going to take offense and they're going to come complaining to Hashem, asking for justice. What type of justice? They're going to say to Hashem, look at this Jewish nation. Most of them assimilated. They are serving idols just like us. When Mashiach comes. They are serving idols just like us. They are being promiscuous just like us. They are murderers just like us. They're not perfect and they are going to Ganeiden and they're going off to experience eternal paradise, Olam Haba. And they're going to Israel and they're going to have a good life and we have to go to Gehenna. We have to go to hell. Why is this fair? They're going to ask for justice and Hashem is going to expect Malach Michael to respond for us, but unfortunately, looking at the true state of the Jewish nation, he has nothing to say. Hashem, so there's going to be silence. Hashem is going to turn around to Malach Gabriel, expect him. He's the quintessential, forever paradigmatic, Sanigori Chalisrael, always defending Chalisrael no matter what. And unfortunately, Malach Gabriel is going to be silent. Even Hashem is testifying that in the future prediction, he will unfortunately be silent. It's unfortunately very easy for us to see. If Mashiach comes today, and I hope he does, you're talking about at least 13 million Jews, and only about 2 million are what we call Orthodox, and that's in discussion in and of itself. So they are going to have a very, yeah, unfortunately, they're going to have a very, very decent um, argument in a world of justice. When Hashem created the world, nobody can say that Hashem was not interested in a world of prejudice because Melech ba Mishpat Yavad Arishlam, Melech in Mishlei tells us that Hashem established the world on justice. Hashoifet kala oretz, yasa avla, I mean, Hashem is. The Mishpatech Atayim Rabbah, Hashem is the ultimate Hashem Lekim Emes Vorch Emes Kamrad. Doiva Shikorim Lo Yekan Leneged Ana. Hashem is the source of truth. And being the source of truth, He has to be the source of justice. So, therefore, how is the Melech Oiv Tadoka Mishpat going to deal with this? And Hashem says it's going to be a deafening silence, and we will standing there really terrified of what uh, the nation of the world they could prevail over us. You're talking about millions, billions, and billions of people who unfortunately have a true um, uh, statement to to complain against us. But Hashem says, Shema Ami, Hashem Himself 
says, listen, my people, Jewish nation, Hashem's own voice will ring out. For Adabera, Hashem says, and I'll speak. If no one's speaking, I'll speaking. Yisrael, my nation, Yisrael, and I will testify for you. And Hashem will say, true, right now, unfortunately, they have not been showing that they have lived up to their full potential. But, says Hashem, I am still going to redeem them. They are still going to eternal paradise and you are still going to hell. Why? Shem says, because I owe them a favor. Why? There was a certain point in my life, so to speak, says Hashem, that I was vulnerable. Believe it or not, yes, I created the world and I was vulnerable. In the year 2448, when I was desperate that the Jewish nation collectively as one, when I offered them to take my Torah, and I and I was shaking, the whole world was shaking. In a Moyukoliosh forest, the whole world was about to melt because I said if they will not accept my Torah, I'm returning the whole world to Toya Bavoyo. And if they would not accept my Torah, then I would have had to destroy the world. And I liked my world. Hashem loved his world. He made the world if I love with it. Hashem was happy with his world. Hashem was happy that I created the world. He was desperate that we should commit ourselves that yes, we will use your beautiful world to accommodate the purpose of why you created the world, which was so that we, the Jewish nation, should keep your Torah. And I was, so to speak, the whole world was holding its breath to see if the Jewish nation will accept the Torah. Because if they won't, then the entire world would have to be destroyed. And when they said, Ke'ish echad belev echad, those magical words, Kol Hashem, whatever Hashem spoke, Na we commit ourselves, we will do it and we will keep it and we will understand that the only purpose of life is to learn your Torah and keep the Torah. Hashem said, they saved me my vulnerable moment. Now I will save them in their vulnerable moment. And Hashem says, I am redeeming them no matter what. And the Medrash is asking, where do we see this in this Pasuk? Where is the Medrash getting this from? We see it because the Pasuk in Tehillim said, Shema Ami, listen, hear my people. For Adabera, and I will speak. For Adabera is the same word as Asher Kol Asher Diba Hashem Na you then said, you used the faculty of speech to say together loud and clear, now I will speak in your defense and I will testify for you. You were there for me when I needed you. I will be there for you when you need me. And this is how it's going to be. And there's a reciprocal love that's kamayim alponim baponim. We love Hashem and Hashem loves us. So Hashem says, for the tzedakah that you did, that you made my world, you created my world. We didn't create this world. Hashem created the world. But Hashem said the fact that you accepted upon yourself to keep my Torah means that you made my world because I had no other purpose. No, it's a, it's a medrash. But stokash asisem asalami. The tzedakah, the righteousness, the charity that you did for me. Hashem considered it a charitable act that you saved me. Shasisem asalami, that you made my world. 
How did you make my world? That you accepted my Torah. So, the Medrash says, if you wouldn't have accepted my Torah, I would have returned the world to nothingness. It's a Pesichta, Medrash, Rus, Rabba. Yeah. Now, the Medrash continues further. This is the, the, the actual proof text, scriptural text from the premise of today's class. The Medrash says, not only did you do Hashem a favor, that you did him the charity and you accepted his world for him so that his project would work out, but Bitzdokim, you have a double. You have did twice Tzedakah. That's why you deserve to be saved now. Bitzdokah shasisem as Atzmachem, to the righteousness, the charitable acts that you did for yourself. You did yourself a favor accepting the Torah because now the reason and the purpose for your existence will now be achieved and accomplished by you. Your self-love for yourself saved you. And that's why the Jewish nation are always called by Hashem a racist. Bani Bukhari Yisrael. Yisrael, you're my firstborn. What does it mean you're my firstborn? You're my first. What does it mean you're first? You understood the purpose of the firstness. You understood the purpose of the beginning. You understood the purpose for creation. You understood the reason why I created the world to begin with. I created the world so that you should learn and keep my Torah. I created the world for the Sea of Mashas. I created the world for that. Because you understood that, I'm always going to call you my first. Just like a firstborn makes his parents into parents, you made me into the creator of the world by fulfilling the purpose of my creation. So you're forever staying my racist, my first, voracious for the sake of racious. So again, as natural as we were at Har Sinai, with uh, manifesting our self-love, our self, I said we had a good self-love, we had a good understanding of a good self-esteem, we had a good healthy, wholesome concept of I'm doing this for myself, I'm being natural for myself, I'm saying Nasa for myself, it's good for me to have a world, it's good for me to have life, but it's only good for me to have a world and to have life if I can fulfill the purpose of life, which is keeping the Torah, it's good for me, so I'll say yes for myself, Hashem said, you got it, that it's good for you, that's why you understood it's good for me. You did me a favor, he did you a favor. So we come full circle with the premise that part of your self-love really means when you take it one step deeper, when you experience your love for yourself, what you really have to do is talk to yourself in a higher language, in a, the real language and saying, I don't only love myself. The reason I love myself is because I love Hashem. I love the source of myself. My being is Hashem. My existence is Hashem. I don't know how to create myself exist. So just like it's love, natural to find yourself lovable, it's natural to find the source of yourself lovable, which is Hashem. Therefore, Hashem says, Just like we know we are going to survive death. Because we have a soul, we have an Hashem, which is part of Hashem. So we know we're going on to another world. Therefore, death is a good muscle. Just like we love ourselves, we work for ourselves. We invest in ourselves. 
We try to save away the best part of ourselves for our afterlife because we love ourselves, because we know that we are going to survive death, and that's why we invest in ourselves. We find ourselves lovable despite the fact that we know we're going to die sooner or later. It is irrelevant to us. In the same way, we find doing mitzvahs and loving Hashem and being moist and effish for Hashem the Balitoisvus wrote their parish in blood. They didn't have ink. They went down to the basement. They pricked themselves. They filled up a cup with blood. And they wrote their Toisvus in blood. We love ourselves. Here, I'm reminding myself that in July 2, 2014, these three boys were kidnapped by the Arabs. Yeah, on the Frach. Yefrach, Gilad Shah, and Aftoli Frankel. And never till they found him. And when they um, told Naftali Frankel's mother that they have evidence from the way they found the body that he was killed right away, her knee-jerk reaction was, Oh, Baruch Hashem, at least he was killed right away. So he didn't miss one day of Tefillin Ligon. So one of the Rabbonim who went to be Nachmov and heard this from him, he almost fainted that Yiddish mother has the koyach to say that. So she said, why are you saying that? So he, she said, because I know from the day of his bar mitzvah, the most precious thing to him in the world, the most exciting part of his day was every day putting on tefillin. I knew this would have been the worst torture for him, more than physical torture. And the Rav said to her, oh, I see it now. The word naftali, when you mix up the oysters, comes out to fill in. That's his shorish neshama. But where does a Yiddish mother get the strength that this should be her knee-jerk reaction? The strength she gets is because mashpian oyser to hate sadik for alte rosha. Well, Hashem has satiated us, filled us, saturated us with the strength of you're going to be a tzaddik. As a matter of fact, in the time of Eliyoa Novi, there were, the Medrash says, in the same Medrash, on the words, I saw it on the same page, in Shira Shem, the Medrash says, at the time of one opinion is that there were 600,000 Navim in the time of Eliyoa Novi. The other opinion says that was over 1,200,000. But this same Medrash says, but we are not talking about the women. There were 600,000 women Neviyos in the time of Eliyar Novi. So the Medrash asked, where are their books of prophecy? So the Medrash says that a Nevoah, a prophecy that was not necessary for future generations, was not documented. Only the that's how we know for sure that the 24 Sifri Nebuah that we have now is relevant to every single part of our lives in this century because there were millions and millions of other prophets and prophecies, men and women, was not written down. But in the future, these prophets will arise at Chiasamais and the resurrection and they will share with us the prophecies that they prophesied then and we will have many good friends, prophets. And we will also, the Medrash says, in the future, every single man and woman in Am Yisrael will be a prophet. But the Vilna Gon is attesting in a pasuk in Mishle. I saw it in the Sefer um, uh, Perish Agra Mishle. 
and he brings it from a ton of that the Yesh Ruach HaKodesh Lechol Echad Ve'echad Be'Yisrael. Every single Jew in Am Yisrael has Ruach HaKodesh, has divine inspiration. The nature of a Jew is that he has divine inspiration. The source of our crazy, crazy love for Hashem, we do, yes, we do not normal things. I mean, you two were talking about your husband waking up five o'clock, six o'clock. You're talking... 21st century, you're not talking and you think it's the most normal thing in the world. It's not the most normal thing in the world to wake up at this hour when you've got a large family to feed and many, many other problems to take care of. We think it's the most normal thing in the world just to wake up just because you love Hashem, because you love His Torah, because you want to grow in His Torah. So what is, the Baal Shem Tov says a moshel of what is to, we should understand 1% of Hashem's love for us. When I saw this moshel, I was reminded of this writing here of, it's called, it's from Moment Magazine, it's in Yiddish, it says, It is a full write-up of this person here. His name is Rabbi Shmuel Shachar, and he had his first baby in his life at 67 years old. His wife is 65. They waited 45 years after the chasna. He got married at 21, she got married at 19, and here it is. This is them with their baby. Here he is. And the Baal Shem Tov says that we have no hasoga of what it is like. We have no concept of understand what it means to grasp a second, a nanosecond of Hashem's unbelievable love for every single Jew, no matter what. If we want to use a mushal, we can try and imagine what does it sound like to parents who waited Years and years and years for a child, the first time they hear the child cry, the first time they see the child laugh on his voice, the first time they bought him a toy and he's enjoying with it, the first time they go to buy shoes for that child, the first time everything, what does it feel like we cannot understand? And the Vashatta said it's not even a drop of a tip of Minhayam of what it feels like, so to speak, for Hashem. Now, where we part ways, of course, with pagan religions is that pagan gods, idols, cannot express their feelings of love or hatred or reactions or anything to their adherents because this idol of wooden stone was created yesterday by someone, doesn't have human feelings in it, doesn't have a soul in it. So the reason that the idol worshippers were always had to make up new mythology, new nonsense, new assumptions that had no evidence under the sun was because their gods never was capable of expressing their feelings for them and wasn't capable of reacting to their ideas. So they never knew what was right, was wrong. It's all trial and error. Hashem, Hashem, Oyev Tzadikim. Hashem loves his Tzadikim. He loves his righteous ones. Hashem hates the wicked ones to such an extent that David Amalek had to say, Hashem, whoever you hate, I hate. Whoever quarrels with you, I quarrel with them. Oyev Hashem, if you love Hashem, you hate wickedness, you hate evil. We are getting responses from Hashem. Hashem is reacting to us. Hashem is describing His love to us in endless, endless way. I'm so crazy about you, my Jewish children, Ephraim. Like a little child that I'm going crazy over. We go crazy over a two-year-old, a three-year-old. Hashem says, I'm always looking at you like that. Every type of description of love, 
One has to espouse to a brother, to a sister, to a mother, to a partner. Hashem says, all that I have for you. Look at Shir Hashirim. He's using every type of human relationship that is a source of pleasure. Hashem said, take all that together, combine it, all that I have for you. Now, the question is, when did this all start? When did we start showing our love to Hashem? When did we start reciprocating it? Because we're saying that love, the nature of love is that it's reciprocal. When did the reciprocation start? So in Ramachal Derech Hashem, he says that it started from day one. From day one. That's one mahalach of when, the, when the, the source of the history. Next time you look yourself in the mirror, you have to know when did your history of your love affair with Hashem start? It started in Adam and Rishon. When the first man was created in Adam and Rishon, all future potential souls were in him. Of course, because since he's the source of all humanity, we all had to potentially exist inside him. No. No, I'm going to tell you the history of humanity. Hashem created one person. Hashem created the world. He planned that uh, the the says, Hashem created the heaven and the earth. So so the Mepharshim say, Barashis is an acronym. In the beginning, Hashem saw that Jews will accept the Torah. Yisrael will accept the Torah. Now the question is, Okay, Hashem knew that there will be a Jewish nation and they, their name will be Yisrael. Why will their name be Yisrael? Because the Arizal says that the word Yisrael is a contraction of three words. Yeshli Roish. Yeshli Roish means I have something in my head. I have a vision in my head. I have a plan in my head. I have a purpose. It's in my head. It's, 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 it's a, it's a potential in my head. Yisrael is the, the, the thing of this word. Yeshli Roish. Now, Hashem said, whoever soul, whichever soul will fulfill my plan, my purpose in creation will be called Yisrael. So who is the Jewish nation? The Jewish nation is a group of people that came together that are made up of individual souls who each on an individual level made a personal decision that Yeshli Rosh, I want to be part of the nation that fulfills Hashem's purpose in creation. When was the first time we... It entered our head. It entered our head when Adam got the command from all the trees of the uh, garden you should eat, but from the tree of of um, good and evil shall not eat. In that minute, different souls had different reactions to that command. Some people, some souls had a reaction, oh, I'm curious, I wonder what it tastes like, what's Hashem depriving of? Some souls by nature are more obedient and they say, listen, if Hashem doesn't want, there's no question about it. There's not, not even a challenge. It doesn't come on my radar. It's not even something we're going to struggle with. <laughs> he doesn't want it. doesn't want it. Of course it's not good to me. These are different types of souls. We do, Hashem did create different quality souls. The Balatan says clearly there are different quality souls to fulfill different mission statements, different purpose in life. Hashem is everything there is. So Hashem has to be, so to speak, also complicated variety. There should be the biggest Kavavod Shemaim is that different types of souls all come to the truth of the oneness of the Creator in their own unique uh, way. Some souls were like, oh, big deal, I'll eat. I'll suffer the consequences afterwards. Some souls are like, but Hashem said that uh, on the day that you eat will die. So some Souls by nature have a fear of punishment. Yuras are onish, fear of consequences. They don't want to die. They would have done it theoretically, but if it means death, no, 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 they don't want to risk that. Some souls were like, but Adam, some souls meant it very, very holy. They were like, 
Oh, come on. What is life all about? I have no opportunity to show Hashem how much I love him because I don't really have a real struggle. If I'm going to eat from the Eisadas Toivarah and the tree will give me the opportunity to really struggle against evil and then despite my struggle against evil, I will choose good, I will choose godliness, I will choose Hashem's command out of obedience, out of free will, then I will really, really have made a statement to the world that I love Hashem. Not that I'm a pre-programmed robot. They meant it holy. They meant it that I will expand my area of free will in order that I will come to make a stronger statement of self-sacrifice. I, Hashem told me, on the day that I will eat from it, I will die. So, um, to risk death in order to prove to the world, to make a statement how much I love Hashem, a declaration, that's a purpose, a good purpose in life. That's a self-sacrifice of the highest order. I should be doing that. In other words, everybody had their own reaction of why they do want to eat, don't want to eat. Ultimately, we made a, a unanimous decision, everybody for their own reason, that we are going to eat. Some souls had no idea what they're in for, but they joined anyway because it was the in thing to do, was the style thing to do. But what happened was a nanosecond later, a good analogy is like a person who has, unfortunately, a car accident. A second before the accident, he's cruising along happily. No, he's just thinking about his coffee, about his iced coffee, about his anything. He's not thinking of anything particular. And a nanosecond later, from one minute to the next, his life has totally changed. Suddenly, an accident exploded upon him. And from that nanosecond, nothing is ever going to be the same again. And the initial shock and the horror and the disbelief and the incredulousness is what we call trauma. And what happens usually, especially in modern society, is that somebody calls for help, and if the person is badly injured and hurt, he will be forced to make a decision, do you want to have a surgery? Your broken arm, do you want to have a major surgery to put it back together? In that second, the person does get a choice. Do I want to go through the huge surgery, the paying the money they expend in order to get my arm back? Now, if somebody really doesn't like his life and finds this a golden opportunity to just exit planet earth with a bob and a curtsy and just say no no thanks but no thanks and he just dies and people think he died from the surgery that's also a choice but most people love life and if they make a decision most people will say no 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 life without an arm is not an option for me I am going to do the surgery no matter what, no matter how much, how painful it is, no matter how much it costs. I'm going to go through with the surgery. The Jewish souls are the people who made a decision the nanosecond after we ate from the Eitzadas Toivarah, and the result was already in that we now really, really upset and exploded and literally um, twin towered. Uh, the entire creation and the shrapnel running uh, all over the place, we still had a choice to make in our subconscious. All this is on a subconscious thought, reality, soul level. Do we want to go through the major surgery of fixing our souls up and get rid of this terrible, terrible poison that we inject into our souls from eating the Eitzadas Tovera so that we get another chance to do it right and show Hashem, no, 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 I'm going to be obedient from now. Those souls that were determined to go through the surgery, 
They got born to Avram, our father, out through Yitzchak and Yaakov, Yitzchak, and Chazara. They went down to Mitzrayim, so Mitzrayim should be what the Navi calls the Korah Basel, the cleansing place, 210 years. When we came out of Mitzrayim and Moshe Rabbeinu asked us, how would you like to have an opportunity to go back to the Madrig of Adam Rish and Kodemachet, get rid of the poison, the Zuama, by undertaking to be obedient from now, these souls were like, finally, we were waiting 2,448 years to finally get the opportunity. We said, Nas and Nishma unanimously. That's when we clinched the deal. We came full circle. In that minute, Shashem took all Jewish souls, stood at Har Sinai, and tamper-proofed and sealed off the Jewish soul who are Mizerim, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Sarifka, Rachaleah, and they sealed it off from now on any soul who stood at Har Sinai, who went through Mitzrayim, who's from Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, any soul who sins after Har Sinai, we consider them in a comatose state, in an unconscious state, not in touch with their true reality. This does not refer to the era of Rab. The era of Rab, the mixed multitude that Moshe Rabbeinu accepted into the fold of Am Yisrael against Hashem's will on his own responsibility was a disaster. The Arab of the current day secularist, Zionist, reform, conservative the current people who hate Hashem, who hate his Torah, who fight against religious Jews, who fight against the Torah, they will not go up with us when Mashiach comes. Hashem is not going to testify for them. They will not belong with us. The way you identify Erev Rav is anybody who hates religious Jews, anybody who hates Hashem's Torah, anybody who hates mitzvahs, anybody who's cynical, atheist, um, agnostic, those are the Erev Rav. It does not refer to them. But the Am Yisrael who stood at Har Sinai, they are pure and tamper-proof. The Erevrat, they stood at Har Sinai, but they were not there with all their heart and soul. They only came because they were opportunists, and now we were on the winning team. Some people like to be on the winning team, and Hashem did not want to accept them. Moshe Rabbeinu accepted them, and they have been only causing us trouble all these years. Now, what about the, the uh, fact that Are you saying? Okay, Gerim converts are people that in converts are people. The Gemara after Shabbos says that these are people who, at the time of when Adam, we sinned in Adam's body, those Gerim were ambivalent. Those souls were not sure if they want to go through to. Um, with with major surgeries, they saw, they smelled burning flesh, and in in the gas chambers, they smelled Auschwitz, they smelled Birkenau, they smelled the Spanish Inquisition, they smelled Chmelnytsky, they smelled the pogrom, they smelled the constant terrorism, they smelled the 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 the, the shootings, the killings, the hatchets, the matches, the Harnoff. They smelled the constant anti-Semitism. They were not sure if they want to go through with it, but they kept themselves ambivalent. Hashem says, in honor, out of courtesy, because you were gracious enough to even consider joining my nation and going through with his terrible surgeries no matter what, I am giving you a chance to join my nation until the end of 6,000, or if Mashiach comes before, that's going to be a cutoff date. They 
were still ambivalent by the time Hashem offered us the Torah, they were still ambivalent by the time 2448 came. Hashem allowed their souls to stand at Har Sinai to see if they want to join. If they choose to join before the end of 6,000, before the end of days, before the time when Hashem will testify for all of us against Michal and Gabriel's silence, then they will still come along with us if they choose to join out of their own free will in a Orthodox conversion, they will be part of Am Yisrael. If they don't, they will get lost forever. That's the souls of Gerim stood at Har Sinai, which all converts, if you speak to them, they all testify that they find, find it weird and how easily they are resonating with the laws of the Torah as if they heard them before, knew them before, smelled them before, they are resonating. They find it weird how early on in their life they had these crazy cravings to walk into a synagogue to to attach themselves to religious people to orthodox people they are having very many um uh memories and and uh, situations in life and actually gerim converts have an unusually high higher more than other statistically difficulties in life and it's part of their test to see if they really mean it for real. And this is because they didn't go through uh, all the other difficulties to show, yes, they're willing to go through the surgeries. They're having their surgeries now to see if they can really hang on in there till the end. Unfortunately, some uh, converts, they jump out, unfortunately, and they don't make it till the finish line. Finish line means either the end of 6,000 or before year come. Um, yes, the Irav never meant it because they love Hashem. They just meant it because now, now we're the winning party. Those Gerim, those converts meant it very pure-heartedly that they really wanted to join Hashem, but they were not secure enough that they have the strength to carry through with the major surgeries. Jews are a very, very brazen people, very strong people, Amkashe or very stubborn people, because we we were the ones who were absolutely sure that what happened at that point is that we made a decision that my only definition of life, what makes it worth it for me to be alive, I can only define life by that which means an opportunity to fulfill Hashem's Torah. If I cannot fulfill Hashem's Torah, I don't need this whole thing he called life. Reason that we are called a racist, a first, a beginning, an origin, a pure source of origin is because we always understood from day one Again, in B&B language, we always understood that if I never had life, I never needed life. Now that I have life, what am I going to do with it? If I can fulfill the Torah with my life, which is the entire purpose of creation, the only reason for life is so that I can fulfill the Torah, keep the Torah, learn the Torah, love the Torah, be my sinefesh for Torah, be Hashem's ambassador, be with Hashem and His project of creation. If I can do that, then it's worth living. If I cannot do that, it's not worth living. Since we do, our very definition of life is only the same definition as Hashem's definition, which is the purpose of life, which is to keep the Torah, we are considered just like Hashem is the Rashis, Ani Risham, Ani Achron, I am the first, and I am the last, and the there's nobody else with me, and there is nobody else, there's only me, there's no one else, and he's the only source of origin. Since we 
only aligned ourselves and connected ourselves to this one and only source of origin and didn't find any other definition or opportunity in life acceptable as a justification that it should be worth our while going through the hassle of life and maintaining ourselves, maintaining existence and trying so hard to sustain ourselves for what, for when. If I can keep my Torah, keep Hashem's Torah and fulfill the purpose of life, it's worth my while. If not, I don't need it. And because those converts were agreed that this is the only definition of life that it makes sense to bother to live for, but they were not sure if they can go through with all these surgeries, so didn't yet make a final, strong, confident, conclusive decision as the rest of the Jewish nation did at Harasinai, that we were very, very confident, and that's it. Either you give me the Torah and it's worth my while. If not, I don't need this thing called life. Nasev Anishma. And although we have often been the butt of um, heretics and skeptics and, and uh, disloyal people, and they were laughing at us, how are you accepting to commit yourself to live a life that you don't even know what's in it for you? To us, it was the most natural thing in the world. What's the difference? The nature of what's in it is fundamentally irrelevant as long as I'm fulfilling Hashem's will and in, in His purpose of creation, then fundamentally the technical aspects of what it is is irrelevant. As long as I can do Hashem's will, then my purpose for existence is justified and it makes sense. Anything else doesn't make sense, so it's who cares what's in it. So uh, it's about fulfilling Hashem's will. That's the overriding importance, the only criteria that uh, makes the hassle of life uh, worth it. Otherwise, nothing else is worth it. And therefore, out of courtesy, Hashem is very gracious and kind. And out of courtesy that they were even considering it, they're getting one more chance. So when we say that Hashem loves us unconditionally, we are saying that the conditions by which he decided who is going to be the recipient of his unconditional love, overarching, overpowering, stronger than death, totally indescribable, um, over, over, overshowering love forever and ever and ever. Those conditions by which he decided who is going to be that Yisrael, who that he's going to love completely and forever, those conditions were already met at Har Sinai. Therefore, at this point, it became unconditional because the conditional was already met. That's how we know that Hashem loves us unconditionally. So again, who is a Jew? The word Yisrael is comprised of the Rashi Tevis, the Arizal says, the of Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, Sora Rivka Rachaleya. The Rashi Tevis, the beginning of each letter, is the word Yisrael. So anybody that was yes, so anybody that was born from Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, Sora Rivka Rachaleya, that stood at Har Sinai, has already been sealed off in a tamper-proof ceiling. So that we consider that when a person, a Jewish person, is not acting according to his responsibilities, he is also disappointing himself. He's also failing his own soul. He's working against itself. He's being self-destructive. 
And although he wants to consider himself a free thinker, he literally say afrayid, he is actually not free. He is actually imprisoned by mistaking his true definition of freedom. The true definition of freedom is when a person gets an opportunity to actualize his full potential. If a person doesn't get an opportunity, like if somebody is in jail, they cannot actualize their full potential. So that such a person is not free. He can, and he cannot be in touch with his true opportunities because he has been forced by outside authorities that he cannot be with his family, enjoy his family, make money, enjoy money, spend money at will, have the freedom to make the decisions, to do what he wants, when he wants, why he wants. Because he wants, such a person is jailed. We understand that the Torah is chorus alalochus, it is engraved on the lochus. And we learn out from here, we have a rule that if somebody has a word has the same um, letters as another word, only the vowel is changing its meaning, a quarter vowelization. And we know the word chorus means engraved, but it also means chorus freedom. So, which prompted Chazal to say, there is no free person, only the one who is busy living the Torah because that is the true freedom of the soul that you get to actualize your full potential of what your soul was really made for and all the 613 parts of your soul need to be activated and supplied with eternal blood supply which is the mitzvahs, the 613 mitzvahs that we get which is the technical arrangement that Hashem gave us how we supply eternal love blood supply for our souls that when Hashem testifies for us in the afterlife we will appear the resurrection healthy supple picture of strength because we will have supplied our soul with all the everything it needs for um, for the resurrection so therefore we know that the only free true freedom is that when somebody gets an opportunity, I have a friend who, his son, unfortunately, her son, unfortunately, is autistic, and uh, when he started learning how you open all the locks of the house, and then they wouldn't know, what, know where he is, he would just disappear. He is not capable of, um, you know, maneuvering and, and being on the street alone. He doesn't know the way around. And she was, they were going through a very hard time. However many locks they put on the door, he was... He had learned how to open them, how somehow he was modern day Houdini or whatever. And um, she was so, uh, um, uh, you know, worried and anxious about it that she doesn't, didn't feel that he was safe. That she was telling me, my son's newfound freedom is imprisoning us. So we understand that freedom and imprisonment, yeah. No, he was finding his freedom, but. On a superficial level, it sounded like he found his freedom, but he really imprisoned himself because he was not safe anymore. And he had subjected himself to the dangers of the street. And anything could happen to him. He does not capable of crossing the street on his own. So this is really what we are like. Our only freedom is when we keep the Torah, learn the Torah, love the Torah. And that's who we really are. And when we do not fulfill the Torah, we are actually imprisoning ourselves um, against our own better judgment. 
so that we return to the issue that Hashem's love for us is unconditional and reciprocally our love for Him is unconditional. We have proven this a million times over in our long, persecuted, tortured history that we love Him no matter what. He loves us no matter what and we're in it to stay forever. We have not been rejected. We will never be rejected. And once again, from a B&B perspective, since we know that self-love is natural, loving Hashem is also natural because we know we don't have a self. Hashem is our self. Thank you very much.